you guys. I'm here with John Ford. He's an independent researcher. He lives close to St. Louis and he's like a big um, Cahokia Mounds dude. And he's got a theory to share with us today on, I mean, I'm sure he, he's an independent researcher of other stuff too, but he's got a theory today. He's calling it the bird's eye view. And I think it's pretty cool. And we're going to, he's going to present it for us and like talk about it. So welcome aboard, John. How are you? Thank you. I'm pretty good. How about yourself, Nikki? Not too bad. Um, okay. So you go to Monk's Mound every, um, is it equinox and solstice yeah, or every, just? Every equinox and every solstice, I climb to the top of Monk's Mound. I photographed the sunrise there. Um, I figured it's almost a thousand year old pyramid that's kind of built for those moments, along with a whole lot of other things. And people should still maybe go up there because they did it for way longer in this continent than, than we even know. Okay, so what do you observe when you do that? Well, so the way the sun rises on each event, you know exactly where it's going to come up. And I don't know, it, it just seems like it's an incredibly powerful place. Um, the majority of the times I've been up there, which I've been going up there for quite a few years at this point, um, it's only rained and been really bad weather once. It's been really, really cold a few times. Um, been really hot and foggy some but it seems like i don't know it always looks my mood um and and based on where the sun rises from the atop of the largest prehistoric man-made structure north of mexico city uh in north america i believe that there are other mounds for the the equinoxes and for the summer solstice that align with those sunrises because there's another mound associated with Cahokia, but it's also more associated with the Hopewell and Indian mounds because um, it's, I think, dated back to 500 BC, which is Emerald Mound. That mound is located, oh, probably 15, 20 miles maybe from the Cahokia mounds to the southeast. And on the sunrise of the winter solstice, the sun rises directly over the top of this mountain. Now, you cannot see this mound when you're standing on top of Monk's Mound. Monk's Mound is in the, the deep river valley to where the bluffs on each side, you can see St. Louis to the west, and you can see Collinsville and the bluffs to the east. Uh, this Emerald Mound lies probably 10, 12 miles, maybe 15 miles beyond that. So you you couldn't see it when you built Monk's Mound, and Emerald's Mound was there before. Um, Emerald Wait, Mound, is Emerald Mound one of the mounds where you, is it, is it recognized yes, as a mound? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, so in the area I'm talking about, east of Cahokia, above the river valley and above the bluffs, there are a lot of anomalous hills that are deemed natural land formations. However, Emerald Mound is officially a Native American mound. It was a temple mound. It was a moon temple mound that was discovered several years back because with LIDAR scans, they could tell that the big wooden structure that was built on top of the mound and all the surrounding structures that are, you know, maybe 70 feet below it um, were pointed towards the lunar maximum standstill, which is once every 18.6 years, I believe, the full moon rises at its absolute northernmost point and the the waxing the full moon and the waning moon three nights in a row it looks like the moon goes up and just kind of hovers and almost starts going backwards for a little bit so it's 
because of the wobble of the earth, it's kind of a trick in the eye. Um, these people that built Emerald Mound worshiped that. And there was a lot of uh, moon cult uh, religions, 500 BC, 1000 BC, up in the Hopewell area. Uh, I believe Serpent Mound is related to some of those folks as well. The Cahokia site where Monk's Mound is, which is about sunrises for a lot of most part, that's a temple of the sun. Um, it's called the City of the Sun at the museum. Um, it's a solar observatory, not just because of the alignments from the top Monk's Mound, but a quarter of a mile to the west of Monk's Mound, there's a wood hinge they discovered years ago, these fossilized posts, basically, and it had been moved a few times. Um, but essentially, there's a post in the middle, and then there's 24 going around a humongous ring, and based on what we would consider to be the day of the year, you can tell where the sun is going to rise because you align the center post to the far post to where the sun's riding up with Monk's Mound because it comes up right above Monk's Mound. So you know exactly when the equinoxes and the solstices happen. Um, they, I mean, it was solar observatory. Uh, however, uh, Dr. Greg Little and I were conversing on Twitter one day and he was showing and talking about the mounds that were in the city of St. Louis, there was a huge mound complex on the other side of the river that was destroyed in the early 1800s when they were building downtown St. Louis. Um, and one of them was called the Great Mound. It's not, it was not very far from actually where the Edward Jones Dome is in downtown St. Louis right now. And apparently it was about the size of the Edward Jones Dome too. That's NFL Stadium. But uh, Dr. Little so and I- So it would have been bigger than Monk's Mound or not? Yeah, it would have been. I don't know if it would have been as tall, but it was a, I mean, it's a big, Well, big... and like, let's give people some context because, <clears throat> sorry, uh, Monk's Mound itself is like almost as big. The parameter it's, is yeah, almost as big as Giza. Climbing the steps to Monk's Mound is the equivalent of climbing 10 flights of stairs. One of the best things that moderns have done about Monk's Mound is put a bench right at the top. <laughs> you want, you're gonna you're gonna have to take a break if you're not in pretty good shape. Although I've seen a lot of people running those in early early mornings, and I'm thinking, man, you've had a lot of coffee already. Right. But but yeah, it's over a hundred feet tall, and and the the building that would have been built on top could have been maybe another seventy five feet. The base of it, I believe, is about fourteen or seventeen acres, and then underneath the base is three feet of crushed compacted granite as a foundation, I guess. The, the weird thing about that is, is that people that built this didn't have the wheel and the closest place you can get granite to where Monk's Mound is is in the Wabash, Wabash River, 90 miles away. It's hauling a lot of gravel that's granite, which is extremely heavy. Well, and I am always, like the mounds in general just make me go like, what why yes. like because it's just dirt essentially right or it's just like earth it's like a man-made hill but there's angles there's like just yep. really precise angles that are still pretty pronounced not like a thousand years later so what was the function of these well you things? would have to think you would have to think and and you know when early excavations went on in the 1800s i guess and early 1900s all the way up until they i guess came to their senses at some point in the 40s and 50s and stopped just tearing into them with bulldozers and blowing big chunks of them up to see what's in it. Um, they're not allowed to dig in them anymore. So if you had 
with, with scans, they can kind of tell it. some had maybe chambers in them. So if you made big wooden ties and timbers and you were continually upkeeping these mounds, you could have had rooms and, and chambers in there, uh, similar to the pyramids in Egypt. But when they just went abandoned for a couple hundreds of years before what we know as modern day Native Americans, um, and it became, you know, their ancestors, I mean, when they inhabited them, you can't have wood underneath ground like that and not have any upkeep before the weather, especially in this area and a lot of places across this country where the mouths were, they're just going to fall in on themselves. I mean, wood's going to eat, right. or the dirt's going to eat that wood. And, and there's a lot of crushed shell in those mounds as well with like a mixture of local reed. And then they would actually grow sod and pick specific vines as kind of like the siding of the mounds. I mean, be weird to have to mow your house or <laughs> but <laughs> I so, it worked for a long time. And I mean, and does mainstream were... recognize that? Um, like, do, like I, I mean, because I, I mean, I've heard different theories from other people, and sometimes I'm like, what's woo woo, and what's mainstream? Like, I don't right. really know. But in terms of like, who's the original builders? Because I do think that they have been like they were reappropriated by some Native Americans that mm -hmm. are closer to us that, right. that is even by admission of the native americans mm -hmm. yeah when, so, when, am i correct on that or not yeah when the french trappers and, and missionaries discovered the cahokia site uh there was the cahokia indians living around them they were nomadic um and they just basically when they communicated with uh the the monks basically said yeah we didn't build these these have always been here the ancestors built them and we just, you know, it's great hunting and fishing around here this time of year. And then we move on when it gets cold because it can be pretty nasty down there. <laughs> I, well, this area is, weather is pretty finicky. I mean, it's. You got you your can, seasons. That's what. Oh, you, yeah. Oh, you've got, you got seasons. You've got seasons in one day. Sometimes you can get a 40 degree temperature swing in a matter of about six hours around here. <laughs> and, if, and if you think about it in actuality, it's kind of sad, but. Uh, where the Cahokia site is and the surrounding areas where they have found mounds that are preserved as well on people's you know private property. Not even 10 miles from there is where the Amazon building several years ago, or not several, but a few years ago, got literally this giant Amazon warehouse got ripped in half by a tornado just randomly yeah. coming through there. I mean, and they found stuff from that building in Kentucky, which is pretty far. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... They could come through pretty quickly because they don't know what happened to the people that built those mounds. They at one point, I believe the theory was they went south and became the Aztecs, but I guess what DNA that they have from the mound builders, it doesn't match. Right. They don't know where they went. They just walked, I guess. I don't know. Maybe they had one so too many tornado The bird tablet is like the main inland yes. of yeah. Cahokia Mounds. And was that yes. dug from do they do they know which mound that was is it from a destroyed mound i'm not 100 sure i, there, I just know there are we, 80 sorry i don't know maybe there's more but there's like, over I 100 there was 80. there was originally more than that in that area and like even when you drive up into the fairmount city is where it's kind of located mm -hmm. as you're driving through that you know you'll just see junk houses in certain parts and some decent and then like in somebody's backyard just a big fence because it goes around a mound or you know there's a house there's a house there's a big fence because there's a giant mound and then houses on on down um it wasn't even until the 40s that they said that monk's mound was man-made though 
scientists, the archaeologists, basically, I mean, they were just their like racist opinion was that they couldn't build it. Geological formation. Correct, correct. And yeah, they said the glaciers did it. And it's like, wait a minute. It's called Monk's Mound because the, the French monks that kind of came across them started farming on the layers because it's a it's a step pyramid is what it yeah. basically is. That um, one's really hard to claim natural because when you see a picture of it, it's like... It, it held its shape very well. I know towards the Kaskaskia River, I believe it's in, it's in Clinton County or Washington County, there's what's called the Kaskaskia Mound that is still said is not uh, a Native American mound, that it's it was natural, but man, it sticks out like a sore thumb. And the reason a lot of what the science archaeologists say it isn't a mound is because there's like, I think they're called borrow pits. There's usually a pond or some sort of body of water that they created when they built the mound from that dirt, and then they replenish and stock it with fish because it's a kind of a food source near where you're going to you know, have your temple or, or whatever you have set up on the mound this is by a river i don't believe there's a big body of water next to it right so but like a few years ago there was a study done at the cahokia site and they thought that the north plaza where there's an interstate right now they thought that that flooded periodically seasonally um but they've discovered that no it was kind of plotted off and it was intentionally flooded so I mean, these people had a canal system that we still don't even really understand. We know they had canals, but hmm. I think that the reaches up and down all these rivers and it's sort of in the area that I'm, that I'm talking about, the Illinois, Missouri, and Mississippi River. It's called the Great Confluence. In this region, there are more tributaries to essentially the Mississippi River or the Illinois, Missouri River, which go to the Mississippi into, you know, I guess, international waters then oh, maybe someplace in the Amazon might have a few more natural tributaries is what they're considered. But you can drive for 15 miles in a small curve and cross Silver Creek five times. So there's so many different branches of it. You can kind of see how these people were pretty smart. If they're, if they're <laughs> and sophisticated and probably technologically, more technologically advanced than are given credit to, they could have very easily said, if they could build massive structures like that, with a, a workforce, they can easily have cut those out. And based on what they were doing around the mounds, where right now there's no sign of water, they could have made rivers and like little highways for canoes. They well, I mean, if they're, if, they're, if they're using a base of granite from 90 miles right. away, like who are we well, talking right. about here? So, so that study I was talking about, they also discovered that there was indeed anywhere from 20 to possibly 50,000 people living there around 1200 AD, which puts it at the population bigger than Paris, France at that time. Mm. Um, and they had courts because they played this game chunky. It was very important to those people. Uh, and sports were huge thing. I mean, a lot of the, the burials they have found in the area and even up and down the Mississippi Valley, some of the more elite or even the athletes themselves were buried with their chunky discs and their, their throwing spears and, and their tools for the game. Uh, I think maybe, heck, they could have even been using the North Plaza that they're flooded for either valet canoe when you pull up to go watch the games because the big ball court <laughs> was at the bottom of where Monk's Mount is, or they could have had water. I mean, yeah, they, they just said that they, they give up their oar and they're they just like canoe just fights. Well, I've had canoe fights. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But one of the things that they did not find that was the most curious is to have that many people living in a relatively small area. They couldn't find any food prep area. You'd think you'd have some sort of mill. I mean, we know they farmed. We know they ate corn. Mm -hmm. Had to have meat, fish, all kinds of things based Where on... Where did these shells come from, by the way? Right? That's very well, far from the ocean. Well, I think that aside from... Yeah, I think it was part of that solar calendar might have been a game schedule and everybody knew what time of the year to come and meet for a gigantic swap meet up and down the Mississippi river. Cause stones from Wisconsin, yeah. Michigan and topper from up there are found down here and pottery that was made from Mississippi river mud here is found there. Same with shell beads and stuff like that in the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, it was a huge network. I uh, mean, the Chaco Canyon similar in terms of this, well, I don't think they call them sock bees so much in North America. You know, sock bees mm. is the, the name for highway systems, like in the Mayan culture, or like in um, right. Mesoamerica down there. And uh, I, I mean, they they have giant road systems that were that look through LIDAR that could be seen in and out of Chaco Canyon. Right. And right. I mean, Cahokia also is, a, it was like the New York City of, of Absolutely. <laughs> Native America was, at some point. Well, and it's in the it, center of the country. Makes a lot of sense. New York City? Was it New York City or was it more Las Vegas? Because if you right. don't have a food prep area in Las Vegas, city of Las Vegas, I mean, it, it, hypothetically, but you don't see mills and things like that. Everything gets shipped in. You mm -hmm. have three humongous rivers. You you can go up, down, if you use the Ohio into the Wabash River, where also were big mound sites have been found up and down the river. You could have boated anything and everything you needed into where you were. Um, Similar to Las Vegas, everything's trucked in. I mean, it's in the middle of the desert. The people flock there and spend their money and leave. Maybe you didn't have 50,000 people living there year-round. You had the people that worked around there and lived there. You had a lot of religious ceremony. Uh, maybe it was a maybe it was like a Mecca to these people that they, they came there, you know, as part of their religious belief. But at the same time, then they went back home because... Part of my my theory is that east of 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 the Cahokia site, above the 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 bluffs, is where a lot of these rivers and tributaries start to come from. So would it not make sense that if that's some of the greatest farmland on the planet, east mm -hmm. of where the Cahokia site is, these people knew it too. Um, when the settlers moved west, they came across grasses and everything growing it wasn't solid forest like it very easily could have been because those people for thousands of years kept it from being like that and they may not have gotten out there with a hoe and planted stuff but they knew where to spread the seeds and what time to harvest and and how to take care of it i'm sure they had insect problems like we do today but it all could have been grown out there that would have been another city in itself just a food preparation because you can't hunt only for your food yes there was a lot of fish but i don't know anybody that just wants to eat one thing ever and if right. you've got that many people together god almighty would that be some stinking dead fish <laughs> i mean it just doesn't make sense I, I think it may have been i mean mark twain said if history doesn't repeat itself it rhymes an awful lot well what's there right now by the cahokia mounds is a horse race track and full-on casino with a sports book and has been there for and years. Where the World's Fair happened at one point. And, you know, well, just very, that's right. you know, yeah. That's right. That's right. So, so that's the Temple of the Sun. Monk's Mound is, is what archaeologists, modern science have called it. 
Um, and one of the motifs of the Cahokia site is the woodpeckers. Um, now, I've always thought that kind of funny. Um, and then, as I mentioned... Um, the woodpeckers, that, you said, the, right? Yes, the, the woodpecker motif, like a bust or profile of a woodpecker. You see bird heads all over ancient history. You know, we think about Sumer um, and Egypt. Thoth was the, the ibis head. Um, South America, you've got Quetzalcoatl, feathered serpent. And at the Cahokia site, you have the Birdman tablet, which you mentioned earlier, which on one, it's a small tablet. It's really only about this big. Um, it's one of the only tablets, or maybe the only tablet they've ever found that hasn't been busted in half. Um, it's it's complete. Now, on one side is a picture of the Birdman. He's got a wing sticking out like this, and you can't see what his other arm's doing. His big old schnoz. And then the other side looks like a snake skin. It's, it's crossed. Um, diamond pattern. To me, that says feathered serpent. I mean, much similar to what they had in South America, the Mayans, and the Aztecs, right. lots of fertile, Viracocha. Yeah. Um, but they also had these 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 woodpeckers. And I'll show you a, a picture of what I'm talking about here, okay. real quick. Okay, so this is the Pete tablet. It's also referred to as the Ramy tablet. Um, like the Birdman tablet, this was found near Monk's Mound, um, but it was broken in half. What you're seeing is both sides of the tablet. You've got wait. I'm seeing front and back, or I'm seeing something that attaches like yeah. this. No, you're seeing front and back. You're seeing okay. front and back, and it's broken in half. Like I said, most tablets or all tablets, other than the Birdman tablet, were broken in half. So those two woodpeckers are facing each other on one side, and on the other side, you have two fellas facing away. Now, at the museum where this is displayed, it says that. The two fellas are two warriors that have buns in their hair and braids and big spools in their ears, um, and they're singing their war song. And then on the other side, obviously the woodpeckers are for good luck. Now, I got to thinking a while back when I looked at this, and I thought, and actually this was, excuse me, this was after I saw a story um, on Twitter about the eye of Ra, eye of Horus, and I thought, man, that woodpecker kind of looks like the eye. Um, I even heard on Graham Hancock's uh, Netflix thing about the eye, the evil eye, uh, going up and down, you know, Europe from the Egyptians. Um, I mean, it was that widespread. Now people in uh, Scandinavia or something like that still put the eye on their boats for good luck because it was a sign to bring good luck. Well, they say these two guys are are singing and then that the woodpeckers are for good luck. Well, they don't look like an eye right now unless moving forward, every time you see a woodpecker, you look at the beak and you imagine that that beak looked like the quote unquote eyebrow of the eye of Ra or eye of Horus. Okay. The pupil of the bird, the bird's eye would be like the pupil of eye of Ra and then the downward would is kind of maybe the brainstem of that eye would be the bird's neck. And in this instance, you even see the little curly cue, which in the eye of Ra goes down, but I'll show you in a minute what I'm yeah. talking about. So back to this tab real quick. So with that being said, you would look at a woodpecker to where a right profile woodpecker would be a left eye, a 
left profile woodpecker would be a right eye. So if you correlate the birds on one side of the tablet to the two guys on the other side of the tablet, it matches. So you can see the gentleman's right eye and he's got a left profile bird behind him. The gentleman's left eye, right profile bird behind him. I, I think that kind of might be a little bit of a precursor to this, the eye of, raw, eye of Horus. So the eye of Ra is related to the sun mm -hmm. and eye of Horus is related to the moon. Now, that in mind, what we see found around Monk's Mound anyway, are depictions of woodpeckers that are left profile like this guy here, he's actually on top of Monk's Mound on a sign. That's where I took this picture from. This is a, obviously a drawing of a woodpecker, Gorget. And it is a left-profiled woodpecker. But if you look at it like the eye of Ra, the pupil would be the pupil, the beak would be the eyebrow. It kind of correlates. Now, if you look at some of these masks that are found all over well not all over some of these masks that are found this is a death mask what does that look like to you two woodpeckers facing each other but if you use my theory where they fork that could be an open mouth of a woodpecker's beak making that correlated eye so you'd have two woodpeckers facing each other with the eyebrow going out like an eye. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it def it's not a, quite a curly cue, but this time off the bottom of what would be the lower part of the eyebrow in the wedget isn't quite curly, but it's a little string or something. And I don't know what that string going up the middle Where is. Where was this mask found? Um, I'm not sure. It's probably in a mound south. That's a pretty big shell. Um, but there are death masks like this found quite a bit. Um, they don't really know what the meaning for the masks were. Unless you kind of, if you look at Egypt, Ra, horse was his son, I guess. And that tablet I just showed earlier, instead of having two warriors singing their songs, that very well could have been two shaman or a father and a son. And they're correlating I that's always watching on the other side. Um, now, okay. So tell us about, um, the artifact. So what I, yeah. Okay. So what I found, so the left profiled woodpecker is what's mostly found around Monk's Mound. So a friend of mine by Emerald Mound, which we talked about earlier, um, friend of mine works for a guy who lives near there and he showed me this. I went out there and looked at it and this stone is big. Obviously you see it's about a foot long. To me, that looks like a woodpecker. Is that what you see? Yeah, I could. Or a bird I can of some see sort. Woodpecker. Yeah, I yeah. definitely think and it's manipulated by man, but like they absolutely, are... yeah, absolutely. I was told they... I had an I took an archaeologist out to look at this, and due to the fact that the origin of the rock could not be confirmed, whether it was found locally by a you know Native American mound, um, whether it came from a rock quarry on the Wabash River which is where this guy gets a lot of landscape rock from. 
or whether it came from a job site prior to him buying from there, since it wasn't definitely known, he said it was natural, but just an unbelievably uncanny coincidence that it looks that much like a bird found next to people that had bird motifs all over the place. Right. And it's way, way old. But if you look at it, it is a right profiled bird, which would correlate to a left human eye. This stone is located a mile from Emerald Mound, which is 2,500 year old moon temple mound, i.e. similar to Egypt, left eye being for the moon, right eye being for the sun. Um, I think I think what really got me thinking about that was I've heard so many different similarities between solar alignments. Um, the mounds themselves, I mean, why did people build pyramids all over the world, you know, in antiquity? We, we still don't know. Um, but similarities, I think there's a lot of them out there. Um, but it's always said they did not have transoceanic travel. You know, and I'm not saying the Egyptians came over to North America and built these things. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I do think that, it, that if you legitimately think about a scenario like the Younger Dryas Impact and there possibly being an advanced civilization that was global leading up to something like that, that if it was advanced, like say that happened to us right now and we had a couple of years heads up notice, hey, if this date, the shit's going to hit the fan, something's hitting the planet, we better get ready. Globally, I, I would pray that enough people would come together and start coming up with a plan to save humanity, whether it be go to space or possibly go underground. You're going to have to do something to survive this. I mean, and I think maybe that however the game plan worked to survive a global flood or earthquake or the ice age, the younger driest ice age, which hell, there could have been a whole lot of years where the air wasn't even hardly breathable to be out and get around. I mean, or, you know, if you do get hurt, good luck finding a doctor because they're all dead. You better, you better be lucky enough to survive next to one of them. Um, but with what they find on the other side of the planet, Turkey, was it Darren Kuyu, I believe? Yeah, one of those seven or nine, 12 layers or stories deep in the ground. We haven't even gotten to the bottom of them yet. Don't know when truly even they were all the built. underground stuff at Petra. Right. And, I mean, there's all kinds of, yeah. Right, right. And, and, and they say, well, they were, they were dug so precisely. So when, you know, the barbarians would invade, they could go down there and hide. Well, Jesus, if you're building something that damn good, how about you build a better weapon and keep the barbarians out of your town? I mean, <laughs> that's a whole lot of effort into hiding. <laughs> I mean, you know, and this isn't, I love woo. Okay. Just so right. you know, I'm a, I'm a woo person. And also like, this is where I start going like, fuck all y'all because like listen look at this shit this right. they didn't think like humans who right. builds earthen mounds as like right. I, i'm just thinking like and there's so many legends of even native american legends that i've right. heard on like blurry creatures or i've heard on right. like all these other theories that i've heard of or they have found giants in mounds yeah. oh, like yeah. they found giant yeah. bones I'm thinking that hobbits and giants, Lord of the Rings shit was before the Young Adrias, and they built this stuff, and then they got <laughs> destroyed, be, and then it, we reappropriated it. That's kind of like what I go to. But it yeah. should be. I, I've gone there myself that's a yeah. few times. Um, but maybe, maybe just maybe. Well, they had to know something we don't know. Like I, I think I heard one theory that I that I kind of go back to um, about the Great Pyramid in Egypt, which to me. 
that's the pinnacle of pyramids. Everything else pales, but everything had a meaning. So if, if you look at everything the Great Pyramid had, the chambers we found, stories about a labyrinth underneath it or water running right. underneath it. Um, I, Chris Dunn, uh, no, that wasn't his name. I got it written down somewhere. But uh, I read a book where a guy who was a, a boat captain worked on motors and pumps came up with a theory that it wasn't just a power plant, but it was um, a sort of a water pump. The Great Pyramid was to, to move, manipulate water. Well, one of the things after he built a scale model that he discovered was it let off like a, a nearly silent vibration. Um, so he went to MIT and there was a group studying the effects of positively and negatively charged ions on living plants and living things. And they discovered that negatively charged ions that do fall into our atmosphere all the time, if they can somehow be harnessed and dropped on green plants that are starting to grow or actively growing, on average, there was a minimum of a 15% higher yield from a crop. That's a minimum. So on a good year, it could be almost 75% better than what a normal year would be. So with that, with that in mind, and the fact that they built another model made the ionic resonance come out of it, the sonic resonance. And what they found was when it hit other pyramids, it was like an AM radio antenna. It shot to the next and shot to the next. And it could have been some ancient woo-woo yeah, organic mean, fertilizer. I had John John Cadman on, and he worked with Chris Dunn a little bit at some point, and he is big into the Great Pyramids, and he talks right. about like the resonance and stuff that like he studied the... Yes actually making models of them and saying it really was like a water pump. And um, his, that's a pretty cool interview that I did with him, but I mean, but, not even just but him, okay. but like, like, or Patrick Flynn, or the power of the, of the, of the pyramid itself, like whatever. But I, I mean, and the prominence of pyramids globally is bizarre. I mean that it, and you know what? It's so funny. Cause like some people will say to me, well, a pyramid is just like the easiest thing to be. I'm like, oh, is it the no, easiest no, thing to build? Not, Whoa, not the way they sure do build them all the time right now, right, don't we? Like, right, what, are, what are you talking right. about? Like that well, in and of itself a, is an advanced technology. Right. And if I'm building a pyramid, I'm not going to put the three or four largest stones in the MF and thing right in the dead center that you almost have to hang there and build around it to be as precise as they were with the Great Pyramid. But if you think about this, so, so any pyramidal structure based on the type of soil, um, the type of stone and crystal that's in the stone, mm -hmm. all that could probably have some sort of effect to increase the residency. Um, if you really want to go woo-woo, um, maybe when psychedelics are used, shamans and priests, when they get on top of the pyramid or in it, hell, maybe that's how they would talk globally. You know, 12, yeah, 15, no, I mean, like I, I oftentimes talk, say it, it was the Tower of Babel. I mean, yeah. uh, well, you know. it could be, but... One thing that I find funny is, so they said there was a river underneath, or there was flowing water underneath the Great Pyramid. Um, I guess they have pumps and stuff running underneath the Sphinx, yet they say that there aren't, isn't water flowing underneath there, but where the hell is the water coming from? Because that's a desert. But if you look at Teotihuacan 100, 120 years ago, it looked like a big earthen mound because it was so overgrown. There's still water running underneath it. Mm -hmm. 
Some of the pyramids in China still have water China, underneath. And they also have mercury. Mercury underneath, like, Tiwakan in, like, and in the China pyramids, which are, yeah. that's kind of an interesting element that we don't really look into. Chichen Itza, I, I believe, had water running under. Monk's Mount, there's underground channels of the Mississippi River that still exist. And these things out of east of where I live in Highland, Illinois, that I believe are mounts, have rivers underneath them. So which one doesn't have flowing water under it? We know of the one that's broke is the Great Pyramid. Which one's in the desert? Nothing growing around it. Mm. The one that doesn't have any water running underneath it. The one that doesn't work anymore. What if you could figure out how to turn that thing back on and the damn desert will start growing again? Yeah, but I mean, sometimes I also wonder if we're terraformed or something in terms of the, uh, like if if these do something to the ionosphere or um, maybe be. they work better than we think in general. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it it's... I, 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 I don't know. I, but if, if I you had similar, similar principles of essentially naturally fertilizing by building a temple or a pump or whatever out of a pyramid or the dolmens, you know, on some parts of the planet, if they had the same sort of sonic resonance energy with the planet and you could grow stuff and it's on every side of the planet. That's just another connection to an ancient possible civilization. Or I think with the with the woodpeckers in the eye, along with a, a lot of correlation to Orion, um, a lot of the way they thought the afterlife occurred, what happened to you? I think maybe either it's you know the resonance left over, like an ancient game of telephone across the planet. Mm -hmm. um, that's how their religions came about, or every one of these ancient cultures had shamanistic religions and studies have been done. Um, the immortality right. key, uh, that book, you know, he talks about checking the insides of a lot of religious artifacts and, and ceremonial pieces and doing biology tests on it and finding out it was full of fucked up psycho shit. These people were <laughs> putting in their body intentionally with a purpose to talk to the gods. Well, and I'm going to tell like you your, your theory with like the um, I have Horus, I have raw and yeah. the penal gland it, and like the, it's, the, the, it's the woodpecker. So, it's like, right. They, they it's really so similar. It's so similar that maybe whatever dimension or level of consciousness that these religious shamans were reaching, they're talking to the same thing because they're they're getting the same thing back. You know what I'm saying? I mean, or you could look at it like, you know, they might be talking to a different priest, but he's given the same spiel. Oh, I went Catholic and Jewish in one term, one sentence. <laughs> uh, so let me show you one more photo. Because oh, you mentioned the, the pineal gland. I want to show this. So, so this was figured years ago that the Egyptians, Eye of Horus, had this figured out. So if you look at the eye of Horus is a secret map of our brain. The pineal gland is the only singular gland in your body. Everything else has a, a big and a little or they're, they're binary. Mm -hmm. um, some say that's where consciousness comes from. They say that maybe that's what produces the DMT for a near-death experience um, or the last second of your life, your brain fla you know, flashes before your eye. Uh, and interesting because in a lot of ways if you if you take away the eye of horse you've got it actually the anatomy of the brain part looks it looks more like a woodpecker bird. motif than it even does the right. eye of horse it does so that 
makes me think that maybe this Birdman all over the planet might have been symbolic, or maybe they're just talking about shaman because <laughs> you like this. So I found this, a friend, same friend brought me over out of nowhere, a copy of a 1941 National Geographic. And I said, why did you bring this over? And he said, well, there's something in there about the, the mounds that you, you like. I said, okay, what was it? And so it was a huge article and it was pictures from firsthand eye accounts of, you know, Spanish and, and settlers, basically Europeans when they came to this country. Um, and they, they, they basically drew these plates to their accuracy. Um, one of them, one of the guys came and then went back to Europe and then was commandeered by an admiral or something like that to draw these photos, but it was their first hand experience and they were really cool. It was a really good story. But this guy right here, Looks like Mercury. Right. He does look like Mercury. But if you read the caption at the bottom, it says they were referred to him as a conjurer. And he said the conjurer uses strange gestures and be very familiar with the devils. A small black bird was worn in one ear of the sorcerer, and that was his badge of office. And I find that kind of funny that he's dancing around and he's got one of the man bags possibly there on his hip. Yeah. That's not his loin, that's not his loincloth. So maybe. Maybe, just maybe, that the man bag thing was the IT guys, the ancient IT guys bag of, of magic. And what he's really doing when he's holding out that pine cone is unplugging your pineal gland like you would a, com a, a computer to reboot it. Mm, Hello? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of images painted on shells and gorgats and um and engraving copper engravings that have bird men um like all over the world in fact i think you know as we said the inside of the brain looks a lot like a bird's head anyway as well as well as that eye a lot of these warriors in these pictures of even in egypt you see it with with the eye around their eye well they had an eye around their eye painted like war paint almost but it looks like a woodpecker opposite it's the like i said it's a left profile woodpecker would go over the right eye if you look like that or you could look at it like the evil eye mm -hmm. um was it good luck i don't know was it i mean maybe it was because that's what they thought of it in egypt and i mean carl young had ce young had uh, his archetypals that he thought every human was kind of like it was inherent. That's how religions are so similar around the world. Maybe it would be, but I think maybe it's just a tradition left over. And I, I've also thought this recently too about how civilization, you know, has to have written language. And these mound builders did not have a written language. Um, heck, even the Native Americans, you know, that fought the cowboys or whatever, or that we stole their lands. They didn't have a written language, a lot of them. And maybe it's not a good thing because if you think think like this with written language, the sentence, she said she only loved him. And if you say that sentence and you put the emphasis on a different word each time you say it, it means something totally different. Right. She said she only loved him. She said she only loved him, on and on and on. So when you write something down, kind of like 
if you've ever gotten a text from somebody, you're like, what the hell? And they say, what do you mean? I was just joking. But you can't infer right, inflection. Right, that's a good point, yeah. You can't infer inflection. That's why there's so many different Christianities and they're all arguing that, no, this is how you get to Jesus. This is how you go to heaven. And that's, that's within English. People have been like, killing each other for years. Japan or something every, has like every every inflation of every yes, nuance of every yes. word is like, I mean, um, but when they do kind, the thing is what's weird to me about um, the Native Americans is like we do have like what is that creek stone um there is writing that's yeah, been found there is there is some writing that we don't know about but but modern days it says so take science for example the only way to get anything even talked about in science is to have it peer reviewed correct mm -hmm. okay well what if you didn't have a written language and you didn't have tv or playstation or netflix or phone or whatever and you looked at the sky and you were very religious people and you really, really cared about your history, but you didn't really write stuff down. Why? Because it can be corrupted when someone takes over, uh, you know, a new leader. And once words change, that means something totally different. So if you had your tribe of a couple hundred people and every night you danced around your fire and you told your histories, you would be peer reviewed every night because there has to be children learning these dances. There has to be an instructor. So everybody's watching and listening and singing along every night, kind of like, not like modern Christmas pageant where you go see your kids perform. But if you see your kids messing that up, you would be told, no, that's not how we tell the story because that means something different. We tell it like this. So every night you would be peer reviewed on your histories or, or your religions or, or whatever. Um, I think it'd be a whole lot harder to fudge. Yeah. Than, a than changing just a couple of words to make something mean totally you know, a story totally different because it but only takes know, a few words to change things a hundred percent. I also kind of feel like they were, I can't remember whose study or who peer reviewed or who did what with it. Right, but I right. know that there are tribes and I think, I believe the Amazon that um, like when they wait, they like kind of sleep together and like mm -hmm. the whole little thing. And then when they wake up, they, um, they tell each other their dreams. And like, apparently there is a lot of, um, collective dreaming that happens mm -hmm. and stuff like, like there, I do <laughs> believe that we had, yeah. Um, and they have a lot of significance in the dreams and they like understand yeah. each other's dreams and dreams are very important to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't remember what tribe it is. I can't remember the exact story. I just, I, I believe that we may have had way more better my sentence structure here uh we may have, we may have had uh telepathy powers way more advanced in the past than we do now right right well i you know i think there's something to the yugius cycle um i really do it seems like um people, well okay you could you could put one of two ways you could say that people are getting more smarter and becoming more aware of a lot of stuff all over the planet like this the history i'm speaking of but just corruption and idiocy and the people have gotten away with for years because the information age i mean if you look at the curve of how information was distributed globally on this planet for history as we long we know it's a pretty flat line for a pretty damn long time and then it starts going up and now it's just because I mean, hell, the game isn't even fun anymore. Who sang that song? I don't know. Call so-and-so. You can't do that because somebody's got the answer in two seconds. Bang. Like that. With that being said, people are getting a lot smarter. I mean, I know me personally, uh, 
I was, I am a huge sports fan in back in 2017, my teams were doing so good. And I decided I would start listening to audiobooks with my job. And I've listened to so many novels, so many science books, just the ability to absorb that much information while I'm doing something else. I mean, listening to 500 novels, 500 novels in a, in a few years, five, six year span, that's an incredible amount of content. There's people on this planet. In fact, the majority of people on this planet haven't touched 500 books in their life. I mean, they say that in um, eight, like I read this thing one time, who knows how true it is, but it was saying that um, in 1850, the average person in the country, mm-hmm. like in America, would have, like, if you read the, whatever, a major newspaper from front to end, like, not that we really have mm-hmm newspapers anymore but okay like let's say 10 years ago you read the entire whatever new york times or washington post or whatever magazine or from whatever city right you read it cover to cover for two weeks straight you will have consumed more information in those two weeks than a person in eight 1850 did their entire lifetime oh because gosh. of the amount of i, I mean and that's <laughs> like i mean but wow. now think about like for me and, and I do feel like, I mean, these are tools and we can use them to our benefit. I mean, I know a ton right. of people who just smoke pot all day and watch Netflix. They don't really do any, they don't use the internet for their benefit. Right. I'm, I'm not trying to judge them. Like, that's cool. It's cool. And like, I'm not saying I'm so super smart or not, but I consume the amount of information I consume a day is like the, I listen to hours of podcasts and videos. Right, and right, I just, right. Yeah, that's crazy how much wow and it's all available at your fingertips and and you know politicians and religions want to know why people are acting the way they are these days because we see through a lot of stuff yeah um you know you talked about paper and and you know not not many papers are even i mean they're, they're in print but the distribution as opposed to online media it's night and day of what it was when i was even growing up I mean, if you really think about that in, in a prior civilization, maybe, yeah, if everything went digital and you didn't have it written in stone legitimately, even now, if it's not written in stone and something happens and the population of the planet goes from 9 billion like it is right now down to a couple million, you, you lose everything. Yeah. And right. writing, you, you know, Instantly, you would go from teaching your kids how to read and write and do math to this is how we survive tomorrow. <laughs> and that's if you were lucky enough to be somewhere where there was shelter. And that's then after that, like you'd there have people are, just accidents. Like petroglyphs and stuff are all over. And there's so many similar oh, yeah. repeating patterns. Absolutely. And I'm like, that the could be a language pattern, that we don't know. Bullseye patterns. Repeat. What's the hell pattern those things? obsessed with that pattern. But yeah, um, that yeah. is yeah. everywhere in the world. Right. I mean, it, it, Why? What does it mean? What did it mean? It had to mean something more than the sun. I don't know what it means. I actually have it written on my, uh, I have a big board outside that I write fun quotes on that I just want to remember for inspiration or just remind myself of things. And it's right in the middle and it's three of the bullseyes right in a row. And then underneath, you know, in quotes and underneath it's just author unknown. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And you I know what? It, it could have been some kid with a graffiti stick going around and just vandalizing everything. It was his gang tag. I I started, I don't know when this started. I think sometime maybe in, maybe 2012 or between 2012 and 2014, 
And my left eye, when I close my eyes, uh, every at least once a day, depends on my day. Like sometimes I wake up with maybe, I don't know, like if I'll close my eye, uh, I don't see it exactly right now, but like most probably a couple hours a day, I when I close my eye, I could see a blue spiral in the bottom of my left eye. And then sometimes it's three, two, four, like it's, it's been as high as like six spirals in my left eye. I don't know really? what that means. I don't know why it's been doing that. It's been doing that for me for almost 10, 11 years now. And I, so I'm very connected to that symbol. I don't know why I don't intentionally have my eyes closed and have a spiral in my eye, wow. but it happens. So that's, I mean, going on. I, I I see owls all the time. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, I've had some weird experiences with owls that most people just, you know, they might see a couple in their life if they ever, I had a, <laughs> a sober conversation with an owl in my tree in the backyard in the middle of the afternoon one day. I even called my daughter out. I said, would you, is that, is there an owl right there? And she's like, yeah. And then, you know, she kind of looked at it for a while. I said, why are you talking to it? I said, well, what the hell am I supposed to look at it? Yeah, it's right there. I can't walk away staring at me. Owls um, are my spirit animal. I like. I, I totally love. I I love uh white. The big white barn owl is like mm. totally like I've I've seen a lot of those in my life. Like just swoop up in front of me, and um, yeah, I love owls. I, I think it was was it John Keel maybe. Um, oh, I mean, yeah. There's a lot of alien stuff with owls. But right, I don't know right, that I've had right. that. But I mean, like, I mean, this is how obsessed I am with owls. Like, I have. I have, I have owls like all over <laughs> my house, like everywhere. I'm like looking in my room. I'm like, ah, I could show you like, I mean, I, I, uh, like, it's just, uh, let's see here. Like I, I have, I don't know. I'm looking at like 19 owls, like on this wall here, but you know, I really? just have, I have owls all over. <laughs> I'm also an owl person. So believe me, I get it. <laughs> yeah. We had an owl. Uh, up at my family's cabin, I had an owl dive bomb me. I quarantined out there for five weeks at the beginning of the pandemic. I learned a lot about myself. I had a lot of fun. I did not get a lot of sleep. It was a pretty good time. I missed my family, though. Nobody got sick. Amen. But there was owls that, like, certain parts of the year, this lake club I belong to, um, there's there's quite a few people out there on a regular basis. And then there's certain parts of the years that is nature's. They don't really care for a lot of people out there. And I was out there when there weren't used to a lot of people and they're like, Hey, it's not your turn. And on a nightly basis, I'd walk out of my cabin and get dive bombed by an owl. If you've never been up close to something like that, whizzing by you with its wings spread, they're big. It's like somebody throwing a pillow yeah. at you. And their wingspan <laughs> can be that? like five, six feet. You know, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Oh, they're big and they're loud 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 like these barn owls screeching at each other across the lake yeah. it sounded like the kid was getting scalded on the other side of the lake about ready to you know that their party. ears are asymmetrical so like one side's like here and the other side's here and they're different positions so that they can hear and surround sound really? Really, they're really fascinating creatures actually i love them but you know, um i, I think impressed. i think octopuses are fat fascinating i had this discussion just the other day so what is it humans have 26 chromosome or no what is it 46 chromosomes right mm -hmm. apes have 48 two of ours fused together at some point so i believe an octopus has 58 oh we if think octopuses live chain, long uh, enough they would be the dominating creature on the planet well, it's like they, we don't we don't know of a natural source cause of death for them something kills them or they get 
sick from something like a, a toxin well, we put the, in the water. The females um, die when they reproduce. So there's that. Um, oh, okay. Well, they, that's a jellyfish. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So any like, animal uh, that can... Did you ever see the my octopus, the teacher, or t my teacher, the octopus, or something? It's it. If you haven't, you gotta watch that. It's on Netflix. It's like the most beautiful story ever, and it's about this guy who followed the life of an octopus. Like, really? And, yeah, every day. So. Well, I've seen videos of these those octopus they found in deeper water that not only can these things change their their they can change their dna in the in like in the moment they can they can go from just being floaty to rigid and change color hmm. and like turn into they, they can camouflage themselves in, instantaneously by changing and manipulating their own dna on the fly now we think we're the top of the food chain i don't know if we are <laughs> I don't know that we are either. My, my friend I mean, argued said, said like, can... like things went under, could have gone underground. Like, oh yeah. I, that's why I'm real big into the whole like, I just don't think you build all this stuff and then you get killed by. I mean, I think maybe we have advanced civilizations that maybe they it's are probably... the controllers of everything and maybe they do live underground and maybe they are I the have... balls. Who knows what the fuck's going on? I don't know, but oh. it lives in the ocean. I think it lives inside Earth. Like, I, I well. Yeah. I think I, I mentioned uh, to you when we talked earlier about uh, the books, the novel Seven Eves by Neil Stevenson. And it's about, like I mentioned earlier, there's going to be a cataclysm that's going to kill everything on Earth. And Earth's going to pretty much be uninhabitable for man for like 5,000 years or 10,000 years. And so they have a lottery of people, basically. Um, and they build spaceships as many as they can. And those are going to be people that go up in space and pretty much harvest comets for water and for fuel and and they're just going to orbit around and around and around until the planet's habitable again um but people on the ground came up with other option of game plans one was under the water and the other ones was boats under in the water and above the water when the air was breathable the others was underground cities and, and mines and no spoiler alert but yes towards the end of the book when the people that escaped from going up came back down because the planet healed itself much quicker than what they had thought yeah. people were still here and there was people under the water now they look different they didn't sound the same because i think evolution is a is a thing but i think it can happen possibly a little faster i mean it if you're if you're having people over and over like breeding over and over again in an underground in a, in a submarine or in, an, in in caves underground you would think just naturally you would get smaller I mean, the people that yeah. were huge that would breed a huge kid would eventually die off from banging their head on the ceiling enough. I mean, it would just be a, a thing that would happen, like almost natural selection. Because I don't know if that's a thing or not, but it would happen. Um, probably if you lived underwater, I'm guessing the people that held their breath the longest would probably breed more yep. kids. And that might be something Adaptation. that's a secondary too. It's a real thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> you know, um, it's and like yeah, wild. and honestly, I kind of feel like we're looking at that with a lot of these old things. Sometimes I'm going, oh sure, yeah. oh sure. Science, when science, uh, I guess if, if I could say something to scientists, like face to face, would be like, you realize that what you think you know is is pretty cool and pretty amazing that we do know we know, but we don't know shit. No, we don't know shit. We really don't. I mean, when you think about, we have the, the biggest case of, of amnesia. We really oh, absolutely. When you think about the history of humans, which I guess humans are some form of us date back almost 3 million years now. Um, 
we don't know anything up till what 6,000 years ago yeah and even then it's body right and we said forever oh that no that's a myth that didn't exist you know when we when the theories first came out about the sphinx when robert shock said well it's 12,000 years old or 9,000 years old at least because there's water erosion lines around the base of the sphinx that's not wind oh no nobody could have built that and then they found gobekli tepe and he just kind of gave him the finger like are you kidding me Mm -hmm. and there's there's so many weird rock formations that Okay, it could be a natural coincidence. That stone that I showed you the picture of earlier, that could be a and it could be a natural occurrence. But the odds of it happening over and over and over, once is an accident, twice is a coincidence, three times is a pattern. And there's just yeah. too much evidence of some sort of some sort of something going on before us. I mean, hell, if you think about the current theory about how North America was populated, so people went across the Bering Straits. They're walking over glacier, basically. I don't know what they ate, but apparently they they made it. At what point would you have stopped? Because apparently they didn't stop until they got to South America, because that's yeah, when they that's find the oldest, the oldest, oldest, you know, points of human habitation. That bluefish cave up in Alaska. I ain't staying up there very long. I'm sorry. It's cold. I'm going south. But by the time I got to where I am in Illinois, I would have probably been like, hey, T.O., I'm going to build here. <laughs> I can eat. I see food. I don't want to walk anymore. They kept rolling, and all of a sudden, it got to Peru and just climbed a mountain and built castles, essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. There's, there's, there's a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of arrogance in what we think we know. It's oh yeah. I think one of the things that that science fails at is anytime you hear anybody, it's not necessarily science. But people that can't can't fathom science and religion in the same conversation, I think that's silly, because we know a lot of things as scientific, what we believe to be scientific fact. My dog, sorry, um, but we don't know a lot of things like the Big Bang theory. It was a uh, Terence McKenna said that according to science, they say, "Give us one miracle and we can explain the rest," and that's the Big Bang because they can't explain that. Well, and that's Maybe. just been disproven, by the way, with the Big Bang. The Big Bang theory. has? That's over. Um, because of that new telescope, and they found... Um, uh, like, oh, like, uh, the universe is bigger than we thought. Oh, yeah, yeah and it's got more happening. origin points than they thought. There's no singular origin point anymore. Um, does it, does it disprove it, or does it make it to where, a, like, a, the multiverse is... Uh, or the multiple it has to be i don't think we understand space at all i feel like no you know, i don't either like our either. our instrumentation on how we're viewing this thing is right. from very limited fixed points and so if you, you know i, I don't if you I, take if you take religion and science and put them together so almost every ancient text that like a book of religion like the bible or the quran or the vedas with mm -hmm. the very first is in the beginning there was Om or there was God or and there was the Word, right? What if the Big Bang was the decision to make the second word? It could be anything. I mean, because you're telling the story and the story of our existence as we know it starts with the Big Bang or or whatever word you would put in second, um, which would essentially make different stories because you'd have so many different options. The third word would give it even more and maybe about 3.14 words pi you would have unrepeating dimensions going infinite yeah you, you know i mean but for me it's like i don't 
I think like the the search for the search for um I mean I'm glad people search for everything right but I I just don't think um I don't think there can be a beginning because right. uh because what begot the beginning right and then what begot the big thing that begot the beginning and then that goes in an infinite loop of there's can no be right. no beginning so that's where I, I think maybe we're looking at cycles like maybe there really is an ebb and a flow to the universe maybe like you know whatever but like you can't have the thought the sound the matter the whatever right. that began something because something had to begin the beginning so i really think infinity is the only thing that actually does make sense and it's yeah. hard to fathom infinity because there is and i don't think there can be an end because i don't think there was a beginning Correct. so i don't know and then that gets into the whole thing like what is time really and how can time be manipulated and blah 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 blah, blah. yeah it's but one anyway second, you know one second in our life could be an infinity in another space and time um yeah. if you think about it like that like i love the fact i love those photos that show like the milky way galaxy which i don't really know how we get pictures of the milky way i guess they reflect yeah, them off especially stuff. if you're I, within sure. it right but so. right but it, you know, it shows like an arrow pointing to like one of this the is where you are. Spots. Well, that's yeah, just you're digital here. art, you know. And it's even like this. I always say this, like all the time. This is just digital art because, like, right. essentially, what you're doing is long form exposure and like yeah. um, color manipulations and this and that. So that's why I'm just saying, like, I've gone to some, like, I've gone to you know McDonald Observatory and looked mm -hmm. at like the biggest telescope that humans can or that non professionals can pay to look through and i've you know done um the observatory in hawaii and i've i've been I've, I've been i had a whole like five years where i was super obsessed with space and like i applied mm -hmm. to nasa all the time and i was like this was, i was like crazy <laughs> about outer space and like i researched yeah. it like every day and i was like obsessed this was in my 20s and um i even applied to be an astrologer like in grad school for i tried to get my phd in it like i was super super obsessed with space to a point where like when you look into it too heavy, you're kind of go like, I don't fucking know shit. I mean, it's just like, oh, well, dark <laughs> yeah. matter accounts for 95% right. of the number. Right. Like, or really right. just throw numbers at stuff. Like, well, how do you even know it's that? Like, I don't know. Anyway, but don't even get me started on, on the outer space stuff. But just, um, I, this is a story just as mm -hmm. much as anything else. Oh yeah. And that that yeah. when you yeah. really, really sit with that, it's a dark night of the soul, kind of like sad time. But mm -hmm. it's also kind of liberating in, in a sense as well, because, I mean, we don't know. We always put like these weird limitations on like speed and distance. Sure, and sure. All stuff. We don't know shit. Well, I think it's funny when we ignore things that we do know. Einstein said matter cannot be just created or destroyed. Or, um, it can be manipulated. Yeah. It can be manipulated. Um, and it's been True. proven. So when you see something totally unique, you're the only person that observed it. That's your memory. Now, electricity is matter because all energy is matter, right? And your brain has electrical wave. That's unique to you. So that can be manipulated, but it's always there. And that is unique to you. Therefore, you have to go on after this shell of a body. I, it expires. I, I love C.S. Lewis, his quote that says, you don't have a soul and I don't have a soul. You have a body. You are a soul. And I yeah. think that explains a lot. I, I think we're infinite spiritual beings or whatever. And then right. like, 
Yeah, right. I know. And it's when you go it's to weird because I've had a lot of things. I was born with a lot of memories before I came in, and it's, mm-hmm. it's they feel really? like the quality of memories. So yeah, so it's it's and it's and it's hard to, uh, it's hard to be incarnated with those and then not mm-hmm. be able to be talked uh, talk to to people about right. them or believe or have people believe me or even care. Right. And like at this right. point, I don't even give a shit what you think one right. way or another. So I have memory of being light. So knowledge I mean, is nothing if it can't be shared. And if you have knowledge, you're probably that's you want to share. Maybe. You want to share it, but it's weird. Right. We, we are kind of um, programmed to be dogmatic. Sure, sure. Um, I think it's funny that so a lot of people just see themselves as like it's their brain and their body, and they're, they're they see everything point of view, and when they go to sleep, they dream, and it's all in their brain. But is it? Because honestly, when I'm asleep, dreaming my body's laying there i don't know where i am though i know my body's laying there well usually because sometimes well, we no memory is not localized we don't really? we don't know what holds like you I mean they've lobotomized all kinds of different parts of the brain and right people, so i mean like well, there's morphogenetic fields there's other there, i mean there's you know phantom like you can lose a hand and you can still feel mm, it. Like oh there's, yeah, yeah. We, there's there's more to this whole system. We're not just a bag of chemicals. We're also a bag of electricity, and yep. there's a whole other element that we aren't looking to about the puzzle pieces of what the right. human instrumentation is. This Boeing thirty seven that we're born into. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, with um, no instruction manual kind of situation, right? Oh, um, yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, but I love I love your your theories. And so you are talking about maybe starting a YouTube channel. Yeah, Is that what yeah. I thought I've talked about starting a YouTube channel. I've got I've always been like I've always raised my hand. I've always had questions. They've not always been great questions, but the old saying, "A only stupid question is one you don't ask." I don't think that's all the way true because sometimes you should just go. Don't ask. You know, you don't have to ask if it's that much of an emergency. Go. Other than that, though, if it wasn't for asking questions and curiosity, we probably would still be, you know, beating stones together. But at some point, somebody had an idea. I think it happened way, way earlier than what we currently say. You can't, I, nobody wants to live in a cave. A cave is where you survive. That's where you shelter. You don't live in caves. Right. Um, we know, obviously, from social media and you know what television and hell even going back to when they had cigarette commercials out how they can influence people's minds the caveman commercials from geico might have done a whole lot towards the neanderthals believe it or not because before that all you thought of was people being drug around by their hair in clubs and you know like the flintstones which they didn't even they were more sophisticated maybe that was what was real i don't know but but the thought that you could just exclude everything I mean, when 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 science finds evidence of two hundred thousand year old burials, like with meaning, or at Denisovan Cave, where they have you know the swan's wing, um, the jewelry, that means vanity. That means that was probably a gift. That's love. That's what it's all about. As long as you have love, you're going to have every other emotion that there ever is, because love's the most powerful thing in the planet. I mean, you can essentially. I think it's the law of one that there's no evil. There's only love. It's love of service to others or love of service to yourself. 
So by doing something what we would consider evil, it's something you want to do. So you love it because it's right. what makes you happy. You're only worried about what makes you happy. Um, yeah, there has to be consciousness and there had to be ideas because if you have love, you have relationships and I can't think that a man or a woman's going to be like, yeah, this cave's doing it. No, it's not. Your, your spouse is going to get pissed. We need build me a house. Look at Og over there. He puts sticks against the wall. I want 10 sticks, not five. I want my bigger house. And it just escalates from there. I mean, last year or two years ago when they found the fossilized footprints in New Mexico in a my dried God. lake bed, there was seeds that they had stepped on that they were probably eating grapes or eating something and spitting the seeds out. And it was on a, what used to be a lake. And that's how they dated it 26,000 years. Now, here's my thing. When I read that big article, I thought they said that there was probably four teenagers, 60 kids and two adults. That doesn't sound like hunter gatherers to me. That sounds like day camp for summer vacation. <laughs> yeah. Or a field trip. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, and if you're hunter-gatherers and you're struggling for survival because you can't kill and eat enough mammoths because that's how they went extinct, uh, you're not going to the beach and you're not having 60 kids. I'm sorry. You're not. <laughs> you shut it down after a couple because you can't feed what you got. I mean, that sounds like a, a society to me. That sounds like a hell of a lot more than what we think yeah, is over from this exactly. side of the planet right now. I mean, there's no way around it. They, they might say, well, this is a small group, but small groups don't have 60 kids because 60 kids turn into about 2,060 kids in a matter of about 30 years because we people, we like to breed. True, <laughs> especially back then. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, back then, we don't know. You know, there, there could have been a civilization that everybody was re was was you know, incinerated except for the royals. Uh, you know, cremation was the thing. Hell, locally, we're maybe just maybe. I mean, yeah, the local the the lack of graves we have for right. A lot of the maybe past. they all walked into the water. Maybe there was all burials at sea or at river, like where I live. I mean, I in know. order, like, yeah. I mean, like, if you're buried in a wooden box, you're not you're not gonna like, and you don't have like the right um it needs to be you're not going to be around that many thousand correct. years later even a modern day you know vault that people waste a lot of money on to be buried in that's not going to last a thousand years no it's not i mean they might I mean, find a lot of like it's always anomalous things like a person was like hung and put in a peat moss a mo uh right, bed, right. you know or or like they walked into the Atacama Desert and like got salted for th a couple thousand years, or they were Egyptians who totally had a whole process of mummification. I mean, like there's right. the 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 conditions that make for a survival of your body for thousands and thousands of years. Mm -hmm. It has to be very deliberate or very accidental and the right kind of thing. Right. Otherwise, right. it's not like when they find a guy trapped in like the Himalayas in a gap or something and he dates back so many like was that the dragon man or something dated yeah, back yeah. and I think he might be Denisovan. That guy died hard. <laughs> There's a reason yeah. he wasn't buried or whatever their tradition was. They couldn't well, get and to that's it. what that's makes me always there. think about like a lot of the fossils and stuff I find because the conditions had to be just right for the preservation of some of these things. You know, I mean yeah. there could be entire I think about this a lot. There could be entire species of 
and of flora and fauna that we have no idea because they just had a peaceful time where they didn't right. have a cataclysm that destroyed them and th- i mean right so they came and they adapted and they went and they adapted into something else and we have no idea what they ever were because we don't have any fossil records of them that we found right yet. right well if you think like uh, if you believe in the akashic record that it's all floating around out there everything that is mm-hmm. to be known was known could be known and it's just where our brains are receivers and you got to tap into the right one um i love the fact that they've discovered you know before the dinosaurs were mushrooms the size of skyscrapers and that you know if we could recreate species like that we could carve them out and live in houses and i'm like jesus the guy who invented the smurfs was on to something (laughs) that's funny i mean that wouldn't be a bad but i would rather live in a mushroom than a cave any day of the week any day of the week i mean i can deal with the odor i don't know i love caves they're so grounding i love when we're being in them actually but they aren't like exactly easy to get in and out of a mushroom or a cave a cave yeah no a uh, mushroom would be mushrooms are not easy to get out of sometimes either sometimes you really smell. want to get out of them <laughs> all right john well this has been a lot of fun I've had i fun cannot wait Thank for you, you to much. have your youtube and like start I, sharing some of this yeah i encourage I can... anybody who has the will to do a, like right. something like this it's like it doesn't matter if you have a lot of followers or not or this that it's just about like really presenting stuff and coming it's it's about like baby steps and furthering the knowledge sure. and like sure. the pursuit of knowledge like i said i i've always had a lot of questions and questions promote ideas um some people say that you know necessity is the mother of invention mm-hmm. well what if people just invented stuff for fun or they just had a good, hey, you know what's a good idea? We should try this. I mean, I don't think anybody invented Monopoly because they had to have it, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's <laughs> art in general, right? I mean, and sometimes right. it's just like right. uh, beauty for beauty's sake is, you know, and knowledge, right. knowledge sake and invention for invention's sake is, it's like we got to do something with our time here, right? You know? Right. Right. And I've got all kinds of ideas and all kinds of inventions now. They don't all work. I haven't burnt anything down lately. And I haven't electrocuted myself that bad yet. Okay. <laughs> Although I'm not allowed to play with electricity, but I abide by that rule. I got shocked really bad as a kid. You know, if you ever watch, yeah, this, I put like, a knife in a toaster, guy, and that was yeah. If you uh, ever watch, like Mr. Wizard's World was what I was watching when I was a kid. And when the disclaimer pops on, make sure your guardian or parent is there to help you listen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. It'll make your feelings hot. Okay, so like tell people um right now before you have your channel, um uh-huh. you can be found on Twitter. I can at... be found on Twitter at John Ford and it's a bunch of numbers after that. Um if they go to your page, they can find you. Follow me by that. Um uh-huh. I comment on a lot of funny stuff and uh and a lot of really cool ancient stuff because like like I said, I look at stuff just a little bit differently. I've always kind of had the ability to see past what everybody else is saying. To say what about this a lot of times i'm wrong sometimes it's funny sometimes it's not but many times it can create a little bit of hey wait a minute like I, when dr little and i discovered that the great mound we were talking about earlier in st louis mm-hmm. the sun set on i think it was the one of the equi- the equinox or one of the solstices directly over the great mound where st louis was in st louis from the top of monk's mountain to his knowledge and mine, nobody had ever come up with that before. It has had some sort of significance to the point where 
If on the other side of the planet, they're setting celestial alignments up for sunrises and sunsets, and they're doing it over here, everybody was looking up at the sky, everybody had the same idea over different periods, or it was important to them because, like I think, it was either a leftover remnant of a religion that was global, a civilization global prior to the Younger Dryas, or whatever dimension beings that they're praying to when they're in their um, trance states, um, uh, there's something there because they keep telling them all the same thing. Wouldn't surprise me either way. I'll high five them when I get to the other side and say, that's right, or darn, it was wrong. But still fun. Okay, okay, John. So it's so fun. We'll talk again soon. All right. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Ha, ha, ha.